Hello, and welcome to the April 2017 edition of the Science Fiction Club. We're here talking about our book for this month, The Best of All Possible Worlds. And I just forgot the name of the author. But anyway, somebody will supply it here shortly, and we'll go around and see what people thought about it. Well, I'll start. I actually loved this book. I thought I read some of what other people said on the list, and I'm like, well, I first started the book, and I thought, okay, this doesn't make any sense. All it is is humans, different kind of humans on, you know, on other planets or whatever. But then I thought, you know what, I'm going to try this. And I'm really glad I did. To me... It reminded me of, and I'm sure everybody has read this book, maybe not everybody, but a lot of people, uh, Sarek, I think it was called, where um, it kind of showed the the romance between uh, Amanda, I think that was Spock's mother's name, Amanda and Sarek. It was kind of like that, um, because uh, Delenak was the Vulcan, if you will, but he wasn't a Vulcan, he was a a, uh, Sidiri. And uh, Grace Delarua, I liked her last. I liked her name, Grace Delarua. Um, she was the. I think she was the Signy. I thought it was interesting. I really did. Um, I always like different, cust- you know, customs and stuff like that. Um, and I actually did like the narrator. I thought she was. She made Grace very well. I thought she. Um, didn't make her like um she didn't make her too starstruck even though she was a bit starstruck with the linux and the desideri customs and stuff like that anyway um i liked the book well i started out liking it but i had a horrible time trying to figure out who was who and I fell asleep in the middle of it and never read the part that I missed. So I kind of started near the end and sort of figured out, well, I guess this is the point of this is that how cultures blend and change and merge and become other cultures when they're blended and changed and merged and combined and uh, whatever. But that was about the only point I could find in the book. Um... I had so many other things that I'm reading, though, that I kind of forgot most of the plot and most of the people's names, and I just kind of said, well, let's just get on with it and forget about trying to finish the book, so I didn't. <laughs> but I think I got the main point of it. Well, I, as I wrote in the very beginning, I thought it was horribly boring. However, I did stick with it to the end. I did fall asleep. I missed the part where they were... I vaguely remember something about the elephants, but I don't recall exactly where that was. Or where, but the whole thing was, to me, very, I don't know, simple. The fact that just going around the whole world, exploring, seeing how the, how these settled were adapting on that new planet. But there was very actual, I mean, you couldn't tell one alien from if they were aliens. They were basically just like human beings in every, every respect. There was very little of any science fiction as such. They... Unless I missed it, they didn't explain why the planet had been destroyed. 
apparently, you know, I think that could have been very interesting if they pursued that. And while they were forced to go and settle on that on that planet, you know, and the and the to live with the other groups, so I can see how you might find it interesting. You know, the interactions and psychological differences of the different characters, and that part was a, perhaps a strong point. But I think that could be read in any non-science fiction book. But I would tend to question how much science fiction it really is. Well, Lissy and I. Um she says hello, by the way. She's working on an Easter book for children that she wants to get into Bookshare under the wire. So she's proofreading straight through. And it's an Easter book for children with reprints from Narnia and Charlotte's Web and stuff like that. Anyway, um, she wanted me to say hello. But we didn't like the book either. We got an hour into it, and we just were so bored. And we found the problems that Martin found. We couldn't tell. Uh, there wasn't much science fictional element there wasn't ma- there oh boy there weren't many science fictional elements in it except a, f- a few kind of standard things i mean starships i guess and but the aliens were just basically different kinds of people and um you couldn't tell you were on a different planet if you weren't reminded every once in a while it seemed just like earth pretty much and and we had this matriarchal civilization with, and Lissy wanted me to make sure that I got this phrase in, stereotyped role reversals where the women have drinking buddies and the men are secretaries and that was all seemed kind of pretty um, cliche or derivative or something and I don't know, we just did not uh, get through after an hour or so we decided to read something else together. Well, I didn't like it very much either. Um, I agree with Martin that it would have been nice if we knew what caused the destruction of the first planet. Um, And as usual, I, I have to find someone in the book to connect with, and I could not connect with anybody. Um... So I kind of gave up on it, too. I also didn't like the narrator very much. I didn't find her very emotional. I don't know quite how to phrase it, but there just there just wasn't anything that made it interesting. And, and in fact, I think you said it best, Evan. It's just like being on another Earth with different kinds of people. Uh, there didn't seem to be much science fiction in it. I think if they... I think a lot of people, if they, you know, have extraterrestrial planets and starships, then it's automatically science fiction. And I don't agree with that definition. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, it seems lately a lot of the books you um, that get onto Bard, it's either very limited science fiction or it's very, you know, sort of, you know, let's kill the aliens or something, and so that's why I'm always digging around for science fiction that actually is. Um, I think um, other people on this list are kind of doing the same thing, but I keep putting science fiction up on our email list just because, well, it might be somebody who wants to read it, although I wonder who would. Uh, <laughs> but but you're right. It's so ordinary. I think that that's was the main problem with that book. It was just so ordinary, and I, especially near the end, I thought, well, why would I care about these people? And it was just 
sort of blah. Well, well, there was a little bit of science fiction in it, in that there were mine ships that were um, there were you were uh, half a pilot, half a person, and half a ship, uh, and there was an incident where. Uh, Two people got stuck underground because of an earthquake, and Grace was talking with this mine ship, and she had not, never done that before, so she reaches out to shake his hand, and he says, well, if that's what you want to do, and so she shakes his hand and feels the metal of it, and all of a sudden she's traveling with him. There's a bit of science fiction. There is. Um... Yeah, I mean, there wasn't a lot. I, I I don't deny that, but there was a little bit. I was going to say something else, and I forgot what it was. Yeah, but that was, you're right. That was interesting. That part about when they, you know, when they when they got trapped underground, and you know, and they didn't think there was any way of saving them, and then she reached out to that, you know, almost uh, supernatural, you know, thing that. that that um, mine ship or whatever they call it, apparently that was an aspect of the culture of the, what do they call the Sidiri or whatever. Um, that was quite, what would you say, subliminal, something above the, the rest of the other inhabitants and to be able to, almost like magic, you might say. So that, that part was good, yeah. It's too bad Deb isn't here because I think she liked the book. Yeah, it would have been good. I'm sure she would have had some good comments, you know, to add to it. Yeah, I think she said that on the list. What was the part of the when, when were the riding elephants? As I said, that part I sort of slept through, and I was trying to go back over the book, you know, go through the even the chapter names were a bit, a bit, I don't know, what's the word I want to use? Not that dumb, maybe. I didn't like too much the chapter, the names of the chapters or the parts or anything. Yeah, I miss the elephants too. That must have been somewhere in the middle someplace, because I remember the word near the end of the book, and I thought, well, I guess I missed him. You're also right that the only thing they said about why or what happened to the planet of Sidiri is that their, I would, I assume their enemy destroyed it. I don't know why. They didn't say why, but, but, uh, Somehow, their enemy ended up being quarantined or something like that. So, whatever their enemy did to Sidiri, they've got given to that. It's like one minute, uh, Delenak is in a monastery or whatever you call it, and the next minute, uh, everything's, you know, different. So, I do agree with you there. So basically, the whole plot of the book was just them going on a mission around the, the world to just check to see how the Sidiri were set, had settled in in their different villages, I guess. Apart from the interactions, you know, and the love romance, if you want to call it that, that, were, that grew up between Grace and, and whatever's name is, Denok. Uh, but apart from that, that was basically the plot, I guess. Well, weren't they supposed to be re creating a new generation or something? Weren't they doing something to re, you know, create their race or something like that? 
basically what it was is you're right they were trying to basically repopulate themselves if you will but they were trying to do it with people that were as close to their culture as they could get and they found some and some they didn't and I it was kind of cool because this was almost a little bit of fantasy because um, they had one culture that that had a fairy queen and then uh, they had elves and I'm always interested in that Um, and then they had or they had something else but I can't remember what it was but that part was kind of cool I liked all the different cultures. I like you're right, Mary. I think it was how they could blend and stuff like that. But I like the different cultures and the different costumes that they wore and stuff like that. What was it when they were they were way up in the in the Arctic area or an or an Arctic area? They found this what was it, an abandoned city or something? I don't remember. Again, I read it a few. You know, I got I read it pretty quickly, and it was a while back, and I tend to have forgotten a lot of it. But I remember them being, and that's when I, where the two of their expedition members got lost or got trapped underground. But I forget exactly what was going on there. Martin, I don't remember either. It was an abandoned city, and I don't remember why they even went there. Um, I'm thinking it was, no, I don't remember. I can't remember. Well, maybe we should reread the book for next month. Forget it. No. No, no, I don't want to reread it. Thank you. Um, I think it's only about 23 or 24 minutes after the hour. So, you know, we might just... Talk. I, oh, by the way, I do have all of the um, Clark series that we were talking about. I mean, the one that we were talking about, uh, Rama series. So if you wanted to hear the description of it, I could play it. I have to find it, though, because I've got 90-something books on my stream. <laughs> I don't know where it is. Actually, if you asked me if I wanted to read the book again... I don't think so. Maybe in a couple more years or five more years or something. I, I don't know. It was a good book. It was one of those fun books. One of those. I would not say it was a book for children, though. Not at all. Um, it didn't get explicit or anything like that. But I don't think it was a book for children. Since others don't like the rest of the series, Mary, I can look it up. I didn't even know there were more to it. So all in all, you're saying there's four books in the whole thing, or is there three, including Rendezvous with Rama? There are four. Uh, One of them is is called Rama 2. That's Roman numeral 2. The Garden of Rama, and there's another one that I can't remember now what. But, uh, yeah, if you just look up Arthur C. Clarke, then you'll find them. Well, I'm at a handicap because I can't say why I didn't like the f- second and third books without spoiling the end of the first book. <sighs> so, if somebody reminds me, I'll say it next month when 
Leela will have finished it. Thank you, Evan. I'm sitting here saying, no, 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 don't do it. No, 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 no. Because I'm at the part where um, I just passed the part of the um, of the storm. Ooh, that was an interesting deal. Uh, where the sea started breaking up and... Oh, no, no, no. I just passed the part where uh, Rodrigo wants to send a message to the mothership because he thinks that he knows he thinks that rama is an ark to save the world kind of like noah's ark i'm not laughing at that by the way it is it, it well i guess i am it's kind of funny kind of like a space ark and a sea ark hmm well you know the fun thing about it is that i haven't read the first book in quite a while so I can't even remember. <laughs> I love the other three. But I I will look for any excuse to read Clark. I don't care if I read something of his 4,000 times. I'll read it 4,050 million times. So I just love Clark. Well, all I'll say is the ending of Rendezvous with Rama was just marvelous. And I just thought it was one of the best endings in science fiction because it made a certain point that I think most people forget and I won't say any more than that but after you've read it Leela you may get the point or we'll see maybe not but uh, then the second and third and fourth books come along and kind of say well that's not what we really meant after all anyway that's okay I'm kind of wondering if Clark had this short attention span because, you know, he, he'd write a really good first book. And I, I only have two series, Rendezvous with Rama and 2001. The first books are really interesting, and then they get kind of blah. Red, Red. The, he, he wrote the 2001, The Space Odyssey or whatever, right? I actually saw that movie, too. I read the others, and I really didn't enjoy those so i think you're right marshall um evan tell lissy i said hello and also tell her to put a cookie in your mouth because i can tell you want to say more i like 2001 and i like 2010 then things started to go bad for me with 2061 and then 3001 was just terrible I hate to say that about a Clark book, but and I read about it on the internet not too long ago, and I actually believe it or not, I think The Economist did a review of it back in nineteen nineties or whenever it came out, and and said something similar, uh, <laughs> and uh, it was just terrible. Yeah, I remember talking to some folks at work about it, and my. Uh, the guy in the office next to me said, oh, I'm so excited about reading 3001, and he read it, and I said, well, what'd you think? And I'd read it around the same time he did, and he, he, he and I both looked at each other, and we kind of said, oh, it's the same boring old stupid thing, there's nothing new in it. So <laughs> we just kind of sighed and said, well, so much for that. I read a book by him, and I'm trying to remember the title, I can never remember these titles, about these aliens that come down to Earth, and and, and and care for humanity and everything. They're all these ships, and they 
and the, and the humans have to go up and talk to these aliens in the ship. It's a strange thing, and ends up that it's the children who finally the the, 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 the last generation that are able really to, to, to actually see them completely. Does that sound familiar to people? Sounds like Childhood's End, if I remember correctly. I think we've all read that one. Yep, that sounds like Childhood's End. And I was surprised. C.S. Lewis just loved that book, even though I don't think it was religious. It was actually a little bit anti-religious. But And he just absolutely hated Olaf Stapleton's Star Maker, but he just loved Childhood's End. I remember posting about that on the Science Fiction Club list when I read about it. And he just thought it was fabulous, and I agree with him. I, it's one. Of, it's in my all-time favorites, as anybody who's seen my list knows. Um, so is The City and the Stars. Clark's got two books on my favorites. Um, so, you know, he, he wrote a lot of really good stuff. And if you get the... Um, Oh, never mind. I'm not going to remember the title, so I'll, I'll write about it on the list because there, there's a uh, a different version of the first part of Childhoods and in a collection. I think it's called The Sentinel and Other Stories or something like that, and uh, which is also a good collection uh, that I read uh, that has uh, another version of the beginning of 2001, I think. And um, so, but it's it's. Um, yeah, that childhood's end, that's what you're talking about. And actually, that's why we read Childhood's End, if I remember correctly, because it was an Evans' favorite list. And for anybody, this is for the recording too, anybody who looks up Clark, Arthur C. Clark, his last name is spelled C-L-A-R-K-E which I never would have known had I not looked at that in Braille. Well, he's very British, of course, or he was, and um, interesting that he ended up spending quite a bit of his life in Sri Lanka. I found that kind of peculiar, but he was he was very much into oceans and exploring oceans and and diving and that kind of stuff, too, so maybe that was a choice. Uh, why he chose that choice uh, place to live. But yeah, very, very British. Actually, we never did, the the club never did Childhood's End. We did um, another book by him, and I kind of, it wasn't one of his better books. It was, oh, oh man, I can't remember the title of it. I want to say The Fountains of Paradise, but I don't think that was it. Um, I think it takes place on Neptune or somewhere. Um, oh, man, I'm going to have to look it up. I've got all these news wires. I'm sure I can find it. That's one great thing about doing all these news wires. I've got archives of all the books we did, you know, for the last seven or eight years now. Yeah, I don't think we read Childhood's End for the club because, remember, somebody brought it up, and we, it turned out that all of us had read it. <laughs> so we decided, what's the point of you know reading it again if everybody's already read it? So I think we skipped past that one. That's right. But uh, since it's, uh, I guess it's about that time, if people have suggestions for next month's book, now's the time to bring them in. Well, the only other suggestions I've got are Sundiver, which I have mentioned on the list, by David Brin, and it kind of stands on its own, even though it's part of the first part of a series, but you can read it on its own. 
And then I have The Singers of Time by Jack Williamson and Frederick Poland. They're usually pretty good together, and that book's about 11 hours long. Um, and I probably got some other stuff on my stream, and I don't remember. I'd know it if I saw it, but I didn't feel like looking. <laughs> but those are the only two ideas I've got. Well, there was that book, as I mentioned before, I can't remember the title. What was the one about, again, I repeat, the one about these uh, future Earth, these people are living in New York, and they decide to go, they look down on the rest of the world, and then they go to the Ozarks and meet aliens, but I, I can't remember offhand what it's called now. Oh, oh, was it the book you suggested last month? What was that? Um, oh, gosh, oh, gosh, oh, gosh, I don't remember. Mary, what is The Singers of Time about? Is that what you said? Yeah, I've got, if you want to hear it, I can, t you know, play it for you. If I can, I think I'm pretty close to it. It's funny, Lila, hope I got your name right this time. When you said, oh, I think it was something to do with Ozone, the title. It's Leela, but uh, Mary, I have a couple of hundred books on an SD card, and they're all in alphabetical order, so that's how I find them. Doesn't the, doesn't the Victor stream put your books in order, alphabetical order? Actually, they're listed by author. That's um, how mine are listed. Um, I don't rearrange them. I just put them on there, and then they're sorted out by author. Um, and you can also do a go-to book and get it in, in the general ballpark where... I had downloaded Sundiver also because I want to do it. Believe it or not, I had it on cassette. And I still have it here on cassette, and I've been keeping it because I didn't know when I was going to read it, and I didn't know when it was coming out on Bard, so I guess now I can send it back. Um, I also downloaded Red Dust, which I talked about, which I don't know if people would be interested in that or not. As I said, it sounds real interesting to me, but it does sound like it might have some cyberpunk elements, which... I either like or dis... Well, it depends on the book. I Some cyberpunk I really like. Neuromancer's on my favorites list. but um, um, And I have... Um, oh, man, I think that was it. Uh, those two are the ones I've downloaded recently. Um, the Peace War, Werner Vinge, I downloaded also, and I'm going to read that. But we've done two or three books by him, so... We might want to do something by another author. No, I wouldn't object to it if people wanted to read it. I just don't want any any post-apocalyptic books. Um, I'm tired of, you know, World's End and going through the wreckage of a ruined earth. Um, I'd like to get something that's positive. Well, then you might want to read... So, well, and you don't want to read Ozone, then. That's for sure. I think Lissy read that, or... I don't know if she finished it or not. It was pretty long, but I think she might have. Um, that's... You don't want to read that. And you don't want to read The Peace War, either, because it is after a, pl a worldwide plague and technology has gone down... Well, it's gone up in some ways, but um, it's a ravaged world. The Uplift, though, you might want to read Sundiver, though. That's... You know, uh, the first book in the Uplift series. That might be uh, worth reading. I, I wouldn't mind reading it myself. As I said, I have it here, so that might fit the bill for you. I, I vote for Sundiver. I think I've read it, but it's a really good... The whole series is good. I vote Sundiver. 
Yeah, I I have wanted to read it, so I definitely vote for it. I think it's something like 10 hours and 58 minutes or something. I've got it on my stream already, and it's about, I, I read it millions of, million years ago, and according to what I can remember from the annotation, it's about a, an adventure into the sun by a, um, a group of people living in the Uplift universe. And it's kind of the prequel to every other Uplift book, but it stands on its own really well. And um, um, they go into the sun and they find life there, which, and, you know, if you consider it on its own, it's rather unique. Bryn just has a lot of imagination. I just, I just love this stuff. It's 10 hours and 58 minutes, according to my book sense, and I'll play it for you here. Library of Congress Annotation. Jacob Demois feels that it is time to leave the Center for Uplift and his research with dolphins and chimps. Opportunely, Fagan, his E.T., extraterrestrial friend, invites him to join Expedition Sundiver, based on Mercury, to explore strange phenomena on the sun. 1980. From the Book Jacket. David Brin's uplift novels are among the most thrilling and extraordinary science fiction ever written. Sundiver, Star Tide Rising, and The Uplift War, a New York Times bestseller, together make up one of the most beloved sagas of all time. Brin's tales are set in a future universe in which no species can reach sentience without being uplifted by a patron race. But the greatest mystery of all remains unsolved. In all the universe, no species has ever reached for the stars without the guidance of a patron, except, perhaps, mankind. Did some mysterious race begin the uplift of humanity eons ago? And if so, why did they abandon us? Circling the sun under the caverns of Mercury, Expedition Sundiver prepares for the most momentous voyage in our history, a journey into the boiling inferno of the sun to seek our destiny in the cosmic order of life. About the- Didn't say a whole lot, but anyway, it said something, but actually Mary said more than it did. Well, sounds... Why not? Let's do it. Can we have a number? Um, I can get it for you and just email it. Um, and, of course, some mar- um, uh, Evan can probably get it off of BART and post it in the, in the newswire. So, uh, I don't know. I thought I had it. But. 46547. Martin, that's 46547. Very good. Thank you. Just wrote it down. All right. I guess that'll be the book. All right, then. Our next meeting will be on Thursday, May the 10th, 2017. And we will be reading Sundiver by... Oops, wait a minute. That's Thursday, May 11th, uh, 2017. I had 31 days in April for a moment. Thursday, May 11th. I want to emphasize that in case people get it wrong. Thursday, May 11th, 2017. And we'll be reading Sundiver by David Brin. And I'll have all this in the newswire. 
and I'll check Bookshare and all that stuff and have that all put together for you in the next day 